It's good to be with you again this evening. We're we're excited about what the Lord's doing here. And just uh, thank God for the opportunity to come in so into you and bless you. We do appreciate uh, the praise and worship. Appreciate the team that's here this morning. Everything tonight is great. Amen. We've enjoyed the fellowship and had a good time in the Lord. Good to see some friends. And so we're just believing God for good things. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We talk about ministry. We, we planted our church... 25 years ago this July, this will be the third Sunday of July, be 25 years, and so we'll, we raised our two children there in Huntington, praise God, and they're both in the ministry. Uh, my son ministered this morning, everybody down here, you ought to rejoice over your, your temperature. Uh, it was nine degrees in Huntington this morning, hallelujah. We still had a pretty good crowd, but a lot of the uh, surrounding areas had a lot of ice and snow, So, but they had a Holy Ghost move. And God moved and God blessed. Amen. And then, of course, my daughter, she's married and she and her husband are pioneering a church in Burlington, North Carolina. So we raised our kids and they're both in the ministry. Amen. So it can be done. Amen. Praise God. And then in August, my lovely little bride here and I will celebrate 35 years of marriage together. Praise God. Amen. Somebody said, what do you want to do for your 35th? I said, none of your business. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. I said, we may, we may take off the Sunday, the Monday after our 25th anniversary. That's in July. Then our, our, our August the 9th is our uh, wedding anniversary. I said, we've got a motorcycle. Happened to ride some. And so I said, we may just get on our Harley and go for a three-week ride somewhere. Just... With no place to go. and Amen. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. I said, I've not done that for 25 years. I might go ahead and take some time off. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. They told me this morning I had such a great church service, they wanted to know if I could extend my stay down here for another. <laughs> that's pretty bad. Amen. Praise and that's my son. I think I can count on him. I can give him a whipping yet. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Can't do that to every associate pastor, but you can if it's your son. Amen. Hallelujah. I said, I brought you in this world. I can take you out, boy. You understand? Make another one just like you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Bonnie said she's not cooperating, so I guess I'm going to have to keep him. Amen. Hallelujah. But anyway, let's pray and we'll get into the Word of God. We appreciate the opportunity, so let's, let's seek God. Father, we thank You now and praise You. We worship You. We give You glory and honor. We thank You, Holy Spirit, for being here. Thank You for moving in our midst. And Lord, we just surrender ourselves to You. We trust You to give us utterance. We trust You, Lord, to speak to us. And we thank You, Lord, that You'll work with and confirm Your Word with mighty wonders and signs and miracles. We thank You for being in our midst. We thank You for the very privilege that we have to walk with You and to love You and to be a part of Your ministry, a part of Your life. And so, Lord, we thank You for this week. We thank You for the services this week, for everyone that will speak. They'll speak as oracles of God, that each one of us were working together for one cause, and that's to advance Your kingdom, to build Your church, and to reach lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we thank You, Lord. We thank You for visiting with us this week and stirring our lives. And we give You all the praise for it. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans, the 13th chapter. Romans, chapter 13. I was ministering in, in North Carolina not too long ago, and I was 
preaching out of the King James. Sometimes I preach out of the New King James. Sometimes I'd show up with an Amplified, but most of the time I'd do a King James. And one of them came up and said, I notice you use the King James. Is there any reason for that? I said, yeah. I said, I've been doing this now for about 35 years with the King James. And I said, my Bible's been around for about 15 years of that. I said, it's about the fourth or fifth one that I've marked up real good. And I've got all my notes all the way through it. And I just don't want to take one of those newfangled ones and have to go through and rewrite it like I have this one. Amen. Amen. So I said, if you'll notice, though, I said, a lot of times I take the these and the thous out of them. Amen. But it's all right to say thee and thou. Amen. It's all right. It's all right to just go ahead and speak King James. You know, God speaks King James, New King James, NIV. Amen. Whatever you whatever you study out, He'll talk to you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. In in Romans the thirteenth chapter, verse eight, the Apostle Paul is writing here, and 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 he's talking about various things. In the twelfth chapter, he, he talked about presenting yourself to God, and talked about the giftings and the faith, and and then he talks about how to get along with people and and walking in love. Then he gets over here and he says in verse eight, "Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Now, let's just stop right here just for a moment and look what he's saying. Paul is saying to us here that the main thing that we owe everybody is to love them. Just like the Lord Jesus loved us, we, we, we owe people to love them. Amen? That's a debt that we owe everybody. We should be ministering to everybody out of the love of God. The motivation of your faith is love. If, 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 if this motivation of this church isn't to love this area enough to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them, then we shouldn't have a church here. We, we, everything that comes out of the church, everything that comes out of our lives, everything should be motivated by our love for God and love for people. See, the Lord said the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and body. And then He said the second is like unto it, that you love your neighbor like yourself. So, so the love goes up and the love goes out. So the, the apostle says we love people. Why? Because if I start loving you, I'm not going to steal from you. I'm not going to covet from you. I'm not going to, amen. I'm not going to get into these sins. Somebody says, don't we fulfill the law? Sure we do. We fulfill it through love. As long as I'm walking in love, I'm going to fulfill the law. And it's going, to, it's going to work in my life. Amen? And then he goes on down here and he says, Love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. See, if, if, if the church starts practicing love, walking in love, showing the love of God to the world, then we'll not bring reproach to the world. Amen. Read where Catherine Coleman, whenever she was alive and ministering, I read a book and, and she gathered with some young ministers and she said, whatever you do, go out and be a blessing. Don't be a reproach. The world's got enough problems without you causing more. Amen. Right. Amen. And we as Christians should be setting ourselves that we're not going to bring reproach to the name of Jesus. We're not going to bring hurt to the world. We're not going to say things that are going to hurt people. We're not going to do things that are going to hurt people. We're not going to bring disgrace to the name of Jesus Christ. We're going to, we're going to glorify the name of Jesus. Amen. We're not going to work ill to our neighbor. We're going to work blessing to our neighbor. We're going to think before we talk. We're going to make sure we're not speaking out words that grieve God and, and, and hurt people. We're going, to, we're going to make sure that we speak words of edifying and, and edification. We're going to speak words that lift people up. We're going to speak truth into a situation. Amen. Amen. 
We're going to operate in God's love. We're going to let that love rule in our lives. And if we do, then our faith will work because the Bible says faith works by love over in Galatians. Amen? Yes. So I get my faith to working. I get my prayers to working. I get my confession working. My witnesses working. Everything about me starts working whenever I start surrendering to the love walk of God. Yes, amen. amen. And you see, I owe you and I owe the Lord a debt of love. What's that mean? That means I owe to train myself and to move myself into a place with the Lord that my response is out of love. Yes, amen. Amen. How I treat people. Somebody does me wrong. Well, Paul already told you, as much as that lies within you, as much as up to you, one translation says, you live peaceably with everybody. He goes on and says, don't render evil for evil in the 12th uh, chapter. He talks about not returning vengeance for vengeance, but he, he talks about leaving it to the Lord. Put it again in the hands of the Lord. Yes. Walking in love. Why? Because God will take care of it. Amen. And you'll come out on top and you won't have to apologize. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And God will get you through it and you'll come out of that thing victorious and, and, and everybody says, whoo, hallelujah. What a spiritual person. You say, nah, <laughs> amen. You know, we can fool a lot of people just if we walk in love. Yeah. They think we're real spiritual. <laughs> amen. <laughs> but you know something you really would be because I think the love walk is the most spiritual walk you can walk. Amen. amen. And so the Bible says if I'm walking in love, I'm going to do the right thing. Then it goes down here in verse 11. And he says, and knowing. So he's tying this into love. He's, ta- he's tying this into revealing the love of God to the world. He's, he's, re- he's tying this in with our walk towards God. And that knowing the time, and I want to ask you a question, do you know the time? And that knowing the time, I'm not talking about what's the, on your watch. I'm not talking about the clock on the wall. I'm talking about do you know the time and the season, the hour you're living in? See, Paul is talking to us here prophetically now in this 13th chapter. Now he's starting to talk to us about getting a hold of why we're to walk in love and understanding the time and the season, the hour we're living in and understanding the importance of us hearing from God, walking in love and not being deceived by the devil. Because if I'm walking in love, walking in the Spirit, walking in faith, I'm not going to be caught up in everything that's going on around me. Amen. Amen. Because the Bible says in 1 John 4 over there that God is love. And if I'm walking in love, that love's going to keep me in fellowship with Him. Amen? And if I'm in fellowship with the Lord, then the devil's not going to have access into my life to deceive me and mislead me and get me off into error. Nobody has ever walked in love and backslid. Amen. Guarantee you, the people that are backslid right now, the first thing they did is they fell out of love with Jesus. Then they fell out of love with the church. They fell out of love with the Word of God. They fell out of love with praise and worship. They fell out of love with the Spirit of God. They fell out of love with the things of God. And now they backslid. Amen? But if I keep myself in the love of God, I'm, I'm loving the Lord. I love praise. I love worship. I'm stirring that up. I'm, I, I, my faith is operating there. Then I'm not going to be susceptible to the deceptions and the lies and the junk that's floating around in the world. Amen? I'm going to stand tall. doesn't matter what attack comes. I'm going to still stand tall, praise God. Because love never fails. And love's going to keep me in a fail-safe mode with God so that it doesn't matter coming what's coming my way. I'm going to walk in that thing in victory. Because, see, my faith is going to work right in the midst of the storm because the devil can't get me out of love. What do you mean can't get me out of love? Can't get me out of loving the Lord. Can't get me out of loving praying in the Spirit. Can't get me out of loving lifting my hands and worshiping the Lord. Can't get me out of loving other people. 
I'm walking in ethics. So, so, so he says, get a hold of, of why you're to walk in love and then get a hold of the season you're in. Know the time you're in. Know the, the circumstances you're in. See, there's a reason Paul's putting this here. And so he says, that, and, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly. Now, let me stop here and read this to you in the Amplified. Let's look at this just for a little bit in the Amplified Bible. It brings it out a little bit. He says, besides this, in other words, besides walking in the love, you know what a critical hour this is. Now, I don't know that the church knows that. Do you understand what a critical hour we are living in in America right now? He says, knowing what a critical hour this is and how it is high time now for you to wake up out of your sleep, rouse to reality. For salvation, final deliverance is nearer to us now than when we first believed, adhered to and trusted in and relied on Christ the Messiah. What's he saying? The final work of Jesus Christ is so close to us that you can sense it. You can, you can almost taste it. You can almost reach out and grab a hold of it. And we're living in a critical hour. And he goes on and he says, the night is far gone and the day is almost here. What's he talking about? The night is far gone. The, day, the, the age of darkness, the age of Satan ruling over humanity is far gone. And the hour of, of light, the day is almost here. Meaning what? The, 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 the revelation and the return of the Lord Jesus Christ is almost upon us. And the fullness of our salvation that began when Christ was raised from the dead and has been working over these 2,000 years now is coming to a finalization. It's starting to come and it's so close now. It's, he said every day you live for Jesus, you're getting closer to what God has for you. And he says, you need to understand that there's darkness out there. And the enemy's attacking. And God wants you to walk in love. And God wants you to rouse from your sleep. What's he saying? Don't get lulled to sleep. Don't get caught up in the drowsiness and the sleep and the slumber of the world. Don't allow the world to rock you to sleep. And you forget about Jesus. And you forget about the hour that you're living in. And you forget your purpose. And you forget why you're here. See, this, this whole meeting is about living with purpose and having a vision and having a dream. We talked about the, 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 the vision of God, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where He says where there's no vision, where there's no redemptive revelation. And we got into the, the redemptive revelation as three parts. Just to sum it and catch up, we talked about you've got to know what you're redeemed out of. You've got to know what you're redeemed into. And then you've got to know what you're redeemed for. Amen. 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 And we've been redeemed out of darkness. We've been redeemed into light. We've been redeemed out of Satan's kingdom. Redeemed into God's kingdom. Redeemed out of the curse. Redeemed into the blessing. Amen? But we've also been redeemed for a purpose. We're His workmanship created for a purpose that He has preordained that we walk in. And Paul is saying here, arouse yourself. Don't be asleep. Don't slumber through your life. Don't let the devil disguise and hide and, 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 and weigh you down and keep you from understanding the purpose of God in your life. And understanding the hour that you're living in and how critical it is that you walk in love. How critical it is that you do the right thing. How critical it is that you keep your spirit alive unto God and that you keep your eyes open and you, and you discern the signs of the time that you're living in. 
And so he, he goes on and he says this. He says, let us then drop, fling away the works and deeds of darkness and put on the full armor of light. Let us live and conduct ourselves, verse 13, honorably and becomingly as in the open light of day. What's he saying? Live your life as if somebody's shining a spotlight on it. Amen? He's saying you need to strip off everything that would be a reproach, everything that would hinder you. That's the same as the, as the, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12 said. said, we're to lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily besets us and run the race looking to Jesus. Amen? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, he says you're to be self-controlled in everything and run to win the race of God. Be self-controlled. Pay the price. Do what it takes. And here Paul is saying here, fling away, cast off everything that you would want in your life. Or you could say it this way, you would want people to see in your life. In other words, now that you're saved, start working on yourself. Amen? Brother Hagin used to say all the time he didn't have time to judge everybody else. He's too busy working on his own life. Amen? Amen. That's the truth, isn't it? And so he says you need to fling it away and live in the light. You need to live your life in the light. How important that it is that we put on the armor of light. How important it is that we understand that, that, that God wants to shine His light on us so the world can see us. Do you understand God wants to show you off? Do you understand it? You know, the devil comes up with the angels and he walks to the Lord and, and, and he says, where you been? Walking to and fro about the earth. And he says, you know, he starts blaming. He says, well, have you considered my servant Job? He was showing Job off and Job couldn't figure it out. Amen? He finally did. Hallelujah. But the thing comes down to is this. You and I need to understand. It's important that we begin to move over this and love God so much that we live our life in the open. We live our faith in the open. Yes, amen. We live our praise in the open. Yes. We live our testimony in the open. We let people see who we believe in. We let people see our lifestyle. We let them see our weaknesses. We let them see our strengths. We let them see our, our perseverance. We let them see our, our, our everyday life, knowing that we're trusting God in every battle, in every situation, in every circumstance. We're not coming off of our faith in God. Why? Because we love God. And I owe it to God to love Him no matter whether I'm down or up, in or out. And so we just begin to live this thing. And we begin to understand it's critical that we live this thing because the world needs to see real believers. Paul has already written in here in the 8th chapter that the entire creation is groaning and travailing, waiting on the manifestation of the sons of God. What's he talking about? He says the whole world is waiting to see God's children manifest themselves and show themselves strong and start walking in their authority, start taking their place in the kingdom of God, and start doing what God called them to do. Amen. Walking in the light. Taking this Word and believing it. Believing that I can possess everywhere I put my foot. Amen. Believing that I can speak my faith and move mountains. Amen. Believing that the Lord will give me rain and see in my season and bless the work of my hands. And give me a surplus of blessing and prosperity and make me a blessing to others. Amen. Amen. Bonnie and I, we, we, we moved into a house years ago. Our kids were small. Bought a house and, and uh, in another city. 
and we were pastoring the church there, and God gave us an opportunity to get into the house. And, and they had a couple apple trees on in, in the backyard, actually one apple tree. And when we moved in, the two or three people said, that tree hadn't produced any apples in two or three years. I'd cut it down if I was you. I said, well, we'll see. And so we went out and walked around, you know. I did a few little things with it and trimmed some of the old dead limbs off. And I went out and laid hands on it and spoke to it. Jesus spoke to trees. I should speak to trees. Amen. I went out and I just laid hands on it. And I said, I command you to produce an abundance. And I'll have more than enough apples out of you. In Jesus' name. You know, that fall that we had so many apples, we gave apples to every neighbor. And there was a neighbor, the very neighbor that told me that I should chop the tree down was down over the hill from where we lived and the apples fell off of our tree and rolled in his yard. <laughs> and he was always, all the time out there raking up apples. Hallelujah. <laughs> One tree. They said, that beats all. I said, they don't beat anything. I said, that's what the Word says. Yeah. Don't you know that the earth is, is groaning and trivet and wouldn't somebody to find out that they're not under the curse anymore? And that they have authority. And they can release the blessing of God over that place. Amen? See, the world's looking for that. The world's looking for us to live. And let's, don't, let's just, just don't take it that extreme. I was backslid pretty bad whenever I was a junior in college. Just right before Bonnie and I decided to go ahead and get married. She'd go to a little Baptist church and I'd go here. You know, I went to the bar. But... Uh, and I was running from God, but there, one evening, there was these, uh, two guys, they played football, and, and they, it was a Wednesday night, and they, they were going to church. And I was standing there in the athletic dorm at, at the college, and, and were, was that with the football players, and so, I, I played defensive back, and so, uh, I'm standing there, and they're talking, they say, ah, oh, there goes so and so and so and so. Man, they don't never have any fun. Well, they've been here for two years, and all they do is go to church. And somebody said something else. I said, leave them alone, guys. They're right and we're wrong. Turned around and walked off. Because I wasn't about to persecute them because I was backslid and I knew they were right. Now, they didn't try to witness to me that night. They didn't come over and tell me anything about going to church with them. Didn't tell me about Jesus. But you know what? They were living their life in the light. And it wasn't but three nights later I repented and gave my life to the Lord. And whenever I was crying out to God for help, He sent me to those two guys. And I went to their room and prayed and gave my life to Jesus. And, and have lived for Him ever since. Amen. But you see, it was them living in the light. And that's why we have to fling off the works of darkness, not be ashamed of who we are, and not do something that's going to bring reproach, but walk in love and walk in the fellowship and understand the time we're living in. Understand that there are people out here that may persecute you, may laugh at you, may poke fun at you, but there are also people out here that are watching you and wanting to see what you're going to do, and what you do may determine whether they get saved or they don't get saved. And you may not even know you're influencing them. You just made a decision to walk in the light. You just made a decision to not be ashamed of Jesus. You just made a decision to love God so much that you'll praise Him, you'll worship Him, you'll talk about Him, you'll use your faith, you'll do the crazy things the Bible says you can do, and you don't care anybody sees you or not. Because you're in love with the Lord. Amen? And then he goes on and he says, here he finishes this up, talking about living honorably and doing stuff. And finally he says in verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts. You know what he's talking about? Clothe yourself in Jesus. 
In this hour, folks, I'm going to tell you what needs to happen in the church. We have to clothe ourselves in the Lord. What's that mean? I have to clothe myself in the Word of God, and I have to clothe myself in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Amen. See, I can't be strong in the Lord if I'm not strong in His Word. And I can't be strong in the Lord if I'm not strong in His Spirit. Amen. See, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Be strong in your union with the Lord Jesus Christ. Draw your strength, it says, actually, from your union with the Lord Jesus Christ. That strength which His boundless might provides. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about you've got to be strong in your union with the Lord, in your walk with the Lord. And you can't be strong in your union with the Lord, according to John 15, if you are not abiding in Him and His Word is not abiding in you. And so, therefore, I'm going to be strong in my union with the Lord in the Word, but then I'm also going to let the Spirit of power and might come upon me and anoint me so that everything that's in Jesus now flows out of my life. Amen? Amen. And you know what the Bible says? We have to clothe ourselves in that. Meaning what? You have to get up in the morning and decide you're going to live for Jesus. Amen. 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 Before the service, this, this jacket that I'm wearing didn't just jump out of the closet and run over and, and, and climb on me. I literally had to make the decision to put this on. Amen? And then I had to put it on. I had to go through the motion of doing it. And Paul does not say here, the Lord's going to clothe you with Himself. He says, you're going to have to clothe yourself with the Lord. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to make this decision. You're going to have to make the decision every day of your life and every situation in your life. What are you going to put on? You're going to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to put on the world. We're going to do what Jesus would have us do, or we're going to do what the flesh would have us to do. Because I'm going to clothe myself in something every day of my life. And so I, I, I believe we need to put on the Lord. Why? Because I believe, once, he's, once again, we're living in a critical hour. Yeah. Now, let me show you the critical hour. Look in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew, the 24th chapter. Over here in this 24th chapter, you look in the first 14 verses, and it begins with Jesus speaking to the disciples about the, the buildings there in Jerusalem. And He talks about they're going to be cast down. And then in verse 3 it says, As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of the coming and of the end of the world, or the age? There's three questions they ask. They want to know three things here. When, when, when are these buildings going to be cast down? What are the signs of your coming, and when is the end of this age? And so the Lord begins to answer those three questions in, the, in this chapter. And the very first thing the Lord says to him is this, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. One translation says, Make sure that nobody misleads you into error. You know, the first thing the Lord says concerning these last days and, and these answers is don't get misled and don't miss what God has for you. You take heed to yourself. Make sure you don't listen to the wrong thing. Make sure you don't follow the wrong people. Make sure that you clothe yourself in the Lord. Amen. You take heed. Then look what he says in the next thing. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled or don't become frightened, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. You know what he's saying? He's saying you're going to have a bunch of false junk going on in the last days. And isn't that going on right now? Crazy stuff in the church that's not even church. We've milked down the gospel so to the point that, that there's no conviction in it. 
And we follow this one and we follow that one. And there's wars going on. There's problems. And, and the reason being is, is this. I've told people the trouble with America is not its head. The trouble with America is its heart. Because you get somebody, get their heart right, get them saved, get them full of love, get them living for Jesus, get them with a conviction in their life, and they'll straighten up where they think. God can deal with them. And so He talks to us here. And so He goes on, He says, For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence or plagues, diseases, earthquakes in different places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. He says, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for My name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate or persecute one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity or lawlessness, a lack of, of order, shall abound the love many shall wax cold or become, they'll lose their passion. Now, when you, you begin to look at that, that, that looks like the hour we're living in right now. Man, there's wars going on right now. Rumors of war. There's, there's different plagues, different sicknesses and diseases. My Lord, earthquakes everywhere. Look what's just been going on in Haiti. you got people saying every kind of silly thing you can think of about it. You got people right now that, that right in the midst of all the struggle going on in Haiti, I knew some people went down there and took advantage of it and, 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 and was taking up money for themselves. You got people down there just dead and dying and, and people, you know, under the name of Christ receiving money to help them and putting half up in their pocket, funding their own things. You got, you know, we call them shysters. But anyway, you got these people running around here. People being afflicted. And if you start preaching too much, they'll afflict you, persecute you. Yeah. You don't think there's persecution and affliction? They don't want to kill you. Let your kids wear Jesus is Lord t shirt to school tomorrow. They can wear a picture of Mao. They can wear a picture of Stalin. They can wear a picture of, of, of just about anybody in the world. But you put a picture of Jesus on their t shirt, and they'll make them put a coat on or go home. Come on. We need to wake up. Amen. We need to understand the hour and the season, the time, the criticalness of what's going on right now. And he, and he talks about this. He says many are going to be offended because of lawlessness and, and people are going to lose their passion. How many Christians were on fire at one time and, and you can't get a stir out of them now? Amen. Why? Because they've, come, they've allowed the enemy to come in and discourage them to the point they say, well, what's the use? That's right. I tried that faith thing and it don't work. Right. I didn't try it. I just did it and it does work. Think on it. He'll come to you. Amen. And you've got to understand, just because you walk with faith doesn't mean you're never going to have a test or a trial. In fact, in Ephesians 6, when he's talking about the armor, he says the faith shield is to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. If there were no mountains, you wouldn't need any faith because you use faith to get rid of mountains. So you're going to be tested. You're going to be tried. And your faith is going to be tried. And you're going to be tried in your love walk. And you're going to be tried in your convictions. And you're going to be tried in your praise. You're going to get persecuted for lifting your hands and praising the Lord. You're going to get persecuted for going to a church that preaches like this one. It's going on right now. And a lot of people are allowing those things to pull them away from their love for the Lord. And so they're losing their passion. Let's go back up here real quickly. One, one of the things that you need to understand here. It says earthquakes in many places. So, you know, somebody came out and said, well, they, I believe that's the Lord judging us. Well, you know, I just don't believe the Lord's into earthquakes and killing people. 
I mean, you know, if the Lord's going to do the earthquakes, then He's causing the wars. And He's sending the plagues. And He's also causing lawlessness. And He's causing His own people to lose their passion. Because that's all in here. You can't just pick one out. He's either doing them all or He's not doing any of them. My Bible says it's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen? Satan is the thief. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen? God's not going to send an earthquake. Well, these people are, you know, these, these people are turned from God. Well, so were you, but He didn't send a house to fall on you to get you. Amen? No, see, there's, there's two revelations the Lord gave me out of this when I studied this out. He said, number one, all these things will be going on at the same time in these last days. See, this is not a chronological order. Well, this, this happens, and then this happens, and this No, no, this stuff's going on all the time. The Lord said, He said, I'm revealing to them what's going on in the last days. He said, and all these things will go into full motion, and you'll have to contend with this every day of your life. You're going to have to contend with lawlessness. You're going to have to contend with plagues. You're going to have to contend with wars and rumors of wars. You're going to have to contend with economic upheaval. You're going to have to contend with natural disasters. That's going to happen in the last days. Do you understand that? These things are going to go on. And then the Lord said this. He said the second thing you need to understand is this. There's a difference in revealing something and causing it. Jesus is revealing what's going to happen. He's not causing it to happen. You understand? The Lord's not causing Matthew 24. He's revealing to them and answering their question, these are the things that are going to be happening. The Lord is not sending false Christ. The Lord is not sending false prophets. The Lord is not sending. He's not causing these things. He's revealing this is what's going to happen to us. These are things you're going to have to deal with. This is why you have to walk in love. This is why you have to fling off the works of darkness. This is why you have to love God, love His Word, love His church, love praise, love faith, love the teachings, love each other so much that you're willing to walk in the light in the midst of the plagues, in the midst of the hurricanes, in the midst of the struggles, in the midst of the hardships, and be a light shining to the world and let everybody see that Jesus is greater than all these things. And he says this in verse 13, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. He's not talking about saved in salvation. He's talking about this. If you plant your heels... Throw out your chest and say, devil, give me your best shot. But when the smoke clears, I'm still going to be standing. They ain't nothing. None of these things are going to move me. None of these things are going to steal my faith. None of these things are going to get me out of love with God. None of these things are going to cause me to backslide. I got saved forever. I didn't get saved for the first problem. See, a lot of Christians get saved till they have the first test. Then they had their first test, first disappointment, and they ain't saved anymore. I don't know about you, but I got saved forever. What are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about this. I got saved to make it to heaven and be with Jesus for eternity. And you, or the devil, or somebody that don't like me, or something that doesn't go just right for me, is not going to keep me from getting where I set myself to be. And that is in heaven with my Lord someday. Amen? And you know what I'm going to do? Even in the midst of all this junk, I'm going to enjoy the scenery on the way. I'm going to have a big time on the way. I'm not going to get depressed. I'm not going to lose my passion. I'm not going to fall 
fallen out of love with God. I'm not going to get down because it didn't work just like I thought it should. I don't care whether you like me or not. You're not going to determine whether I pray in tongues. You're not going to determine whether I lift my hands. You're not going to determine how I live my life. If you put me in jail, I will be like Paul. I'll sing and pray and worship God at midnight and shake that place. I'll do what Joseph did. I'll bless you even if you got me under bondage because God's favor is in my life and I'm going to endure to the end and I'm going to be saved from the wrath that's coming on the world. Somebody says, how can you say that? The Word says it. I believe it. That settles it. And I'm hooked up in agreement with the Lord. I'm going to win. My church is going to succeed. My ministry is going to be a blessing. My wife and I are going to live our lives out, enjoy our lives, walk in victory. We're going to have our kids. We're going to enjoy our grandkids. We're going to be a blessing to others. And when we get done, we're going home someday. She's not going to mess up on me. I'm not going to mess up on her. And we're going to prosper. And we're going to be successful. Even if it aggravates everybody, we're still going to prosper and be successful. And in the worst of times, we're going to still praise the Lord. Because, you see, we're not guaranteed that everything's going to be a rosy, easy thing that we're going to walk through. We're going to have tests and trials. We're going to have struggles. We're going to have things come against us. These are things that are going to happen. Jesus said these are going to happen. He's revealing what's going to happen in the last days. And Paul says you need to put on the armor of light. You need to walk as if the spotlight of God is on your life. And you need to walk in love and understand that no matter what's going on in your life, just keep loving God. Just keep loving His Word. Just keep on doing what He said to do. Clothe yourself every day in the Word. Clothe yourself every day in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And stand your ground and we if you'll endure, if you'll get some perseverance and endurance with your faith, it doesn't matter what the devil's throwing at you, you will win. And you know what you and I are supposed to be doing in the midst of all of this? Look in verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Somebody said, well, if the Lord's not doing this, then why is it going on? What do you think the devil would throw a seven-point earthquake into a city that was populated there and kill a couple hundred thousand people? Because he knows his day is in. The night is far spent. The morning is about to come. Jesus is about to come back. And he's going to try to kill and destroy and take out as many people as he can because if you can't hear the gospel and give your life to Christ, he can take you to hell. And so he's going to attack people, deceive people, steal their, their, everything out of them that they can get them to just throw off their their, their 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 even concern and give up. But the Lord said, right in the midst of that, here's what you got to do: you got to love God, you got to love His Word, you got to love people, you got to let that love motivate you to go tell them the good news and do good acts. You go love them, you go lend them a hand, you go to church and let them see you going to church. You go to church and praise God in the midst of all the tests and trials, and let them see that even in the midst of plagues and famines and earthquakes and all the junk that's going on, there is a people that's in love with God that are walking in the light, and these things are not determining who they are. Jesus is determining who they are, and they're going to be a witness to the world. And I want to tell you, when the church rises up and we begin to take this gospel and we begin to walk in this light and people begin to see it as a witness, then we're going to see the revival that God said we can have in these last days. 
So I want to ask you a question. Have you lost your passion? I want to ask you a question. Are you just as passionate about the Lord and passionate about His Word and passionate about serving Him and passionate about praising Him and passionate about praying in the Spirit and passionate about going to church and passionate about letting your life shine as you were? Or has something come in and stolen some of that passion? Has a disappointment come in? Has somebody done something? Maybe you didn't get a prayer answer just like you thought. Maybe it didn't work out just like you thought it should work out. And the enemies come in and, and kind of mellowed you out. I graduated in 1978 from Raymond. Took a little little church in a town of about 2,000, and 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 they had 13 people voted me in. Got all 13 votes. Hallelujah. And built it up to about 150 people, so we had almost 10 percent of the population. Praise God. And, and so, yeah, I was ministering. So so there was a, a a pastor of another Pentecostal church. In, in another set in, and so I was invited to go over, and and so we were talking, and there were several pastors, and 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 I was in my early twenties, and he was probably in his mid forties, and I was telling him, yeah, we're having a healing service on Friday night, and I, I can't wait. I'm gonna lay hands on the sick. We're gonna believe God to get him healed, and God, you know we're preaching healing. He said, yeah. He said, you know, when I was young like you, I was zealous like that. He said, but you know, as you mature in the Lord, you channel that zeal in more productive ways. And you'll mature out of that someday. And I looked at him, and I know it wasn't respectful to talk to the elders like this. But I said, I am never going to go cold and dead and dry like you. I said, you didn't mature. You, you just got cold. I said, you forgot what you're here for. And he didn't like me a whole lot after that. But I was just wanted to tell you the truth, whether you liked it or not. Well, I was about 23, 24 when I told him that. I'm 55, and I still have healing services. I'm still just as crazy about getting people filled with the Holy Ghost as I was then. I still speak to the mountains. I still do crazy things. I still, we still pray and believe God, Bonnie, and I do the, the same. When, before I went to Rhema, I got a hold of Brother Hagin's book on how to turn your faith loose. And we lived in Virginia. And it was it was in July of 1977, and I came home. We were working a job, and 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 uh, we were waiting yet to see if we were accepted at Rama. But I'd read Brother Hagen's book on how to turn your faith loose, and so I came home. We we lived on the old farmhouse, and Bonnie's twin sister and her husband was there during the summertime, and, and we were kind of taking care of the property for them, working jobs, and and living there, and all of us kind of just enjoying ourselves. And I came home. Well, we didn't have air conditioning, but there was an old fan. And that fan was sitting there, and it's the only fan we had in the house. And so I came in, and it wasn't working. So my brother-in-law, he had just gotten saved. So he wasn't real fanatical, but he was saved. And so I went in, and I walked over, turned it on, and he, had, he was reading the paper, and he said, it won't work. I said, it won't. He goes, no, it don't work. I said, what's wrong? And he said, I don't know. I worked on it for an hour. And he said, I couldn't get it to work. So I went over there, and I said, okay. So I, I, I just laid hands on it and started praying in tongues. It's 98 degrees. It's hot. And that's the only fan. And so I, I turned it on. I took my finger and hit, stuck it through the, you know, the little the screen in front and hit the fan and said, in Jesus' name, I command you to run. And he's over reading the paper. And he leaned the paper down and looked at me and says, I told you it won't work. It's broke. I said, okay. And so he went back to read. And I kept on talking to him. Telling him to run in Jesus' name. And you could tell he's muttering. He's not speaking in tongues. He's muttering how ignorant I am. 
because he's mad because I'm doing something that's embarrassing to him. But you know what? After about ten minutes of working on that thing, I flipped that fan and it started. And then it quit. I said, no. I said, run. Don't start and quit. Run in Jesus' name. I flipped it again. That thing took off started running. He, he, he took his paper, leaned down, and put. I looked at him. He put it back up real quick. I took the fan and moved it off of him, moved it over on me, and sat down. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, you know, a little sequel to that. It wasn't but a few days later. We were going to a denominational church there. And, and the pastor, he was a good man, but, you know, he wouldn't just pray for people publicly. And so they found out that we'd been praying for the sick and, and believing God. And so they called and asked if Bonnie and I, along with Steve and Brenda and, and a couple others, would come over to this lady's house. She's stiff neck and stiff back, and she'd been in bed for five days. And, and they said, would you come lay hands and pray for her, anoint her? I said, sure. So we, we got about six of us, and we went over there, and, and, and she'd gotten good enough they could get her up and say, set her at the kitchen table. And there she was all stoved up. And so they were talking. Finally, I said, well, listen, before we go, let me read some healing Scriptures to you. And, and, and so I read those healing Scriptures to you. And I said, now, I'm going to come around behind you, lay my hands on your neck, and we're going to pray, and the Lord will heal you. And by that time, my brother-in-law piped up and said, you need to believe him. I watched him make a fan run the other night. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Made a believer out of him. Glory to God. Well, you know what? We're still speaking to fans. We're still doing stuff. We went to Singapore, and I shared that testimony. I was speaking to Raymond Bible Training Center in Singapore and ministered over there. And, and, and so the, the, the directors there, we, the, he and his wife, Mon, and I were going. And, and he kept getting text messages after that morning. He said, Pastor Dale, you've created fanatics. I said, what? He said, they're speaking to CD players, DVD players. He said, one sent me a picture where they spoke to clouds and the sun came out so they wouldn't have to walk a block in the rain. I said, it's working, ain't it? He said, yeah. So I guess we're still fanatics. I want to ask you something. Are you willing to be a fanatic for Jesus? You can't be a fanatic for Jesus if you're not in love with Him. Paul said before all of this, he said, you've got to love God. You gotta love him so much you don't mind it when people think you're crazy. You gotta love God so much that that you you put on Jesus every day. You use your gifts for God. You have fun doing it. Preaching is not burdensome to me. I love doing this. It's who I am. It's what I am. I love getting ready for messages. I love praying. I, I love helping people. I, 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 I love the ministry because I'm called to that. Amen. Somebody said, you're going to retire? I'll retire the day I go to be with Jesus. Amen. Heard Brother Osteen. He got 65 and he said, Brother Osteen, you, when are you going to retire? He said, retire? Well, I'm just old enough now to be used of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you see, this is the thing, folks. We as the church... Am I all right down here? We have to get our passion back. I want to ask you something. Will you be a part of Matthew 24, 14? Will you be God's sign and wonder in this critical hour we're living in? Will you be an advancer of the kingdom of God? He didn't just say preach the gospel of the kingdom. He said preach it as a witness. What's that mean? Produce what you preach. 
A witness produces what they what they say. You got to get produce evidence or you're not a witness. And the Lord is saying, put up. Or shut up. Amen. But you know what I found? I found that we'll press in, put on the Lord, get in love with this thing again. We don't have to shut up because the Lord will be there to back everything that we're doing. And you may have to endure. He said, he that endures to the end. You may have to just sometimes stick your flag in the ground and say, when the fighting's done, I'll still be standing. Amen. You may have to endure some tests. You may have to endure some symptoms. You may have to endure some, some, some attacks where there's some lack. Because the enemy's going to come in. But if you'll be willing to stand your ground, stay in love with the Lord, stay clothed in God, and not lose your passion, you'll still be standing when it's done. And you'll be saved. That word saved, saved, healed, delivered, preserved, made whole, prepared, provided for. I choose to be a part of that group is still standing. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You now and praise You for the Word of God. We thank You, Lord Jesus, right now for the anointing. We thank You, Holy Spirit. We thank You for being here.